This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. An exciting day here at the Saddle Dome. An exciting day here in this city for people. Craig Conroy is your general manager of your Calgary Flames. It's not exactly a secret. We've known this for a bit. But to have it actually happen... It was a very unique press conference, and uh, our two guests today are going to speak to that, amongst other things. We're going to open up with Pat Steinberg. You've heard of him before. He's a staple on the station. He's here in the uh, in the hot stove, and we want to uh, break down a whole bunch of everything we heard today. 45 minutes of Craig Conroy. It was fantastic. And in the second half of the show, we're going to talk to uh, Ryan Leslie. But I want to open with you, Pat, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Hi. To me, that press conference felt like a wedding. More like a wedding than a press conference. Like with the different speeches? like. And now uh, now let's toast to Craig Conroy. Here's Don Maloney. Yeah, yeah there yeah, was, there was no, that. no drunk uncle, but, but, but his wife was there. Um, Lanny was Lanny here. Lanny was there. One of the owners was here. Jeff McKegg was here. Jeff McKegg was here. Was here. Uh, it was uh, – and, and in, the, in the back, I kept looking back, and it was packed, and – you know, staffers, because of course, Craig's been in this organization for over 20 years. He and knows John everybody was back there. Executive assistants were back there. It was cool. It, it was, was cool. cool. Depot was back there. The equipment manager, everybody wanted to come and, you know, help celebrate, not toast, but, you know, help celebrate uh, a day that a lot of people had hoped would come to pass and a day that Craig Connery admitted he never thought was going to happen. He said, I always wanted to be a GM, but I never thought it was going to happen in Calgary. What was your takeaway from what I consider to be a celebration today yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. It, we're not even getting into whether he's the right guy for the job or not. But you know what? And I think he is, but I, I'm just saying the, the feeling today. that the, the biggest thing that I came away with from today was it really felt like he was ready for it. Like just the way that he held himself, the way that he answered questions, the way that, cause we, you and I've been speaking with Craig for decades and, 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 and we know him very well and he's always affable and he does not play his cards very close to the vest. And, <laughs> and he's like, we, we know what Conroy's all about. And, and it's, it's been, it's, it's been one of the really cool things about this job is like, there, there's a guy that from being a player to then being in, in kind of lower level hockey ops and working his way up, he's been the same guy. And, and, but then to, to see him field the questions the way he did today and to be really authoritative, like when he spoke about the seven pending unrestricted free agents after next season. And he's like, that's not a recipe for success. And we got to do something about that. And just the way that he spoke really confidently about that, or when he talked about uh, what he's looking for in a next head coach and what he's not looking for in a next head coach. And just some of those things, the way that he answered questions about some really difficult things Yes, it was still the old ah shucks Craig Conroy, mm -hmm. but it was also really authoritative, and it was like it was very. You could tell that he has a plan. You could tell that he uh, very much already has, and I think this is part of the interview process. I think that he went in there with a plan, and I think that he was very, very um, deliberate in showing John Bean and Don Maloney what his plan is, and I think you could see. So that was my biggest takeaway: is that you could. Re you really got the feel that he feels that he's ready for this gig. And sometimes you feel like you're ready for it and people on the outside don't. But 
it feels like he feels like it. Yep. And it, I think, convinced a lot of people. I even look at the responses on Twitter and, and some, of the, some of the replies that I've seen to different people's tweets of, of different things that he said. It feels like it, it got across to a lot of people on the outside that, yep, you know what, this guy's, uh, this guy's ready to take the gig. Yeah, he's a man with a plan, and I think obviously yeah. to get the job and, and beat out 34 other con- uh, candidates, as Don Maloney outlined, I, I think you had to go in. You couldn't just say, well, there's a whole bunch of things I'd like to change. <laughs> you, you had to go in and make it very clear on about seven different points the way you're yep. – the plan of action. And I, I agree with you that I think that he'd, he'd thought that out. And, and, and hey – he gets help from Craig uh, or from Peter Hanlon. They went through all the possible questions and scenarios that they were going to get asked, and he was ready for all of it. And I think that's a real interesting takeaway by you that, uh, the, the, you know, people in this city wondered if he was ever going to be ready in their eyes to be the general manager. And in your eyes, yeah. he certainly satisfied that uh, concern. Yeah, I thought I thought that and, – and I mean, I was – somewhat biased on it from the beginning. I thought that he was I the right choice. Are. I think we all are. And I thought that he was ready for it, but I just I I've I've seen lots of news conferences where there's a lot of kind of around the edges talk and you're like, "Well, yeah, you know what? We're going to go back and going to talk with our people." And we think but everything seemed very like there were there were different bullet answers. points yeah exactly and and he hit his different bullet points that he had in his head that have already been part of this plan for a number of weeks now for him that he was able i think to to communicate really well so uh, good on him the youth the youth movement that is clearly afoot is going to be afoot this this uh, fall is is probably it's amongst the biggest talking points coming out of today he made it very clear uh, that people are going to get what they wanted. You know, not not that you listen to the fans, but you know, people in this city have been clamoring to see more youngsters as opposed to Trevor Lewis's and Milan Lucic's. And you're going to see that they're going to leave spots open for youngsters to battle it out yeah. and play it at league minimum, which is obviously going to be needed in this organization. But to me, him saying you cannot go into a season with seven unrestricted free agents, he said that's just not tenable, was fascinating. Another line that that I thought was really interesting was. What happened with Johnny Gaudreau can never happen again. And he used the word asset management, which is the buzzword for every general manager. That's really what your job is. Manage your assets. And when you lose a player for nothing, that's poor asset management no matter how you slice it. Now, again, you and I have dealt with that Johnny Gaudreau situation over and over, and Trilliving was boxed in. There was nothing he could do from the last three years out. There was mm-hmm. You couldn't sign him because he wasn't worth the money he was asking for. You couldn't trade him because – Certainly in the last year, he was too good, and this team was looking really good. Let me ask you this. Him saying that can never happen again, does that mean to you that every single one of those seven unrestricted free agents who tells him I can't sign quite yet is gone? No, but I think that in certain cases, with at least two of them, it means that uh, – and, and I think the, the And you're talking about the two. Lindholm and Hannafin. That's right. I, I, okay. I think those – because those are the two that are still in their 20s. Those are the two that are right smack dab in the middle of their best playing days. Mm-hmm. And they're also two guys that, you know, they, they, they didn't develop these guys. They didn't draft these guys, but they came over in a blockbuster trade. You know, if, if you were to let Chris Tanev 
and I, I don't know if this is the way Craig thinks or not, but I definitely the way that I look at it, like if you were to let Chris Tanev walk away at the end of this season, you don't trade him, and he just plays out his four years as a member of the Flames, I, I don't think that's necessarily poor asset management. Yeah. You, you sign yeah. a guy, you get four great years out of him, and he walks away at the age of 34, and you say thank you very much. You didn't yeah. give up anything to get him, and he plays his four years and signs elsewhere at the end of it. Well, in the Lindholm case, you gave up Dougie Hamilton and you gave up Adam Fox to bring in Elias Lindholm. And no knock on Michael Furland, but those are the, the two big names, Fox and, and Hamilton, that you give up. And so you bring in Lindholm, you bring in Hannafin. They've had their best days as members of the Flames, and they're still extremely valuable commodities. If you let Lindholm walk away for nothing, that is poor asset management yeah. and the same is true with Noah Hannafin and so those are the two that I look at the most and those are the two that you know at least in my head when he talked about that I was like yeah if they're not getting the vibes that Lindholm wants to sign long term or if he's not ready to sign long term in the next couple of months here like if we get to July 23rd and you still don't have any meaningful movement on Elias Lindholm I I don't think it would be a shock at all if Conroy would to move into kind of shift gears and move into trade mode. Same with a guy like Noah. Yeah, I would agree with you, and I think it's required. And it's not it's it's going to be tough to rip that bandaid off for a lot of Flames fans because those are those are two guys you generally would rather build a franchise around. And I think you, I think he's still going to try to sign both those guys mm-hmm. too. for sure, for sure. Hey, if anybody knows the merits of an Elias Lindholm, it would be Craig Conroy. They've we've said. I've covered this team three decades, and you know maybe they've had one or two top line centers. Yeah, the last one may have been Craig Conroy, and 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 nobody ever really ever gave Conroy that credit. He became a one A because he played with Jerome, and it worked. And Lanko, same thing, kind of became a one A because he had Jerome on his wing. That's it right, was a really good couple seasons there. Yeah, and so but Linholm, we all agree, probably in the last three decades is probably the best centerman yeah. they've had, and so he would understand. Also, the merits of a guy who can play defensive, you know, a Selkie Trophy finalist, which Conroy, Conroy was. Conroy was, yeah. And, and remember, Conroy was beating the drum very heavily for Lindholm. Was it three years ago when he was having that great season uh, defensive, or was it two seasons ago? Either way, um, let me ask you about Jerome McGinley, since we just brought up his name. Yeah. That was going to be one of the more interesting things today, and and I dare say it threatened to overshadow the hire of Craig Conroy because we knew from the weekend that Conroy was going to be named, and we know a whole bunch about Craig, but I think that the organization did a great service to Conroy. I think this was by design, too, that they had nothing about Jerome in the press release. When Craig was asked about Jerome, he said, yeah, we've he was open. He said, we've talked about it. We'd love to work together one day. And at some point that may very well happen, but you know, that's not today. Yep. That was so smart to me because otherwise I think the shiny object that everybody was so excited to hear about and wants to know what his role is going to be is going to be Jerome McGinley. Do you agree that that was by design? Do you agree with the decision? And I guess do you also understand that they probably don't even know what his role quite is yet or do you think they do know well so first of all yes i agree that it was smart to not have that part of today because you're right like jerome aginla is going to overshadow any human being when it comes to the calgary flames it mm-hmm. does not matter who they would have hired if jerome aginla was part of the like, what if they hired lanny today that would have been interesting 
That would have been uh, Jerome and Lanny would be pretty neck and neck. Right. Uh, so uh, Lanny sorry. might be one of the only ones he can't overshadow, yeah. and it would be close. Yeah. Um, but it just that shiny object. You'd be like, Craig, congratulations, Jerome. What are you gonna like? It, and, right. And you don't want it to be that because. Craig's still the guy who's in charge of hockey ops, and mm -hmm. Craig's still the guy with 12 years of hockey operations experience, and so he should be the focal point mm -hmm. of today. And, and his vision for the team and the message to fans about what the next 5, 10, 15 years, however long Craig's here in this position for, you know, that needs to be the message to the fans, and that needs to be the primary thing that we're talking about. And I think some of that would have got lost in the ether a little bit if Jerome was part of it. Now, I, I would find it very hard to believe if they're, um, that they're in the dark about the way it's going to go. I, I feel like... I feel like they're pretty close to having an idea. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks now, mm -hmm. that this could be a, a potential. And I honestly, I think having Jerome as part of the pitch or having Jerome in Craig's Conroy was a significant factor Huge as well. Huge notch, absolutely. Because if you snub Conroy, you Jerome were also wasn't never, coming. never coming absolutely he was never going to come and work for this organization because he would he would always hold that as a grudge they were a package deal mm -hmm. and when you've got a package deal that includes jerome and a really really well seasoned guy who's ready for his job it's kind of you're like okay that that holds a lot of sway and i think i think that jerome held a lot of influence uh, for murray edwards i think jerome held a lot of influence uh to john bean and and just these and that's not to say that craig isn't deserving it's no. just more than no it's more that that's another really cool element that adds on to this and so if you're the flames not doing it today gives you the ability to just continue the positive news cycle and how long has it been i mean i guess i guess last july and what happened with the Huberdeau trade and and you know what that two months or month and a half the summer of Brad the signings all that type of stuff that was I guess positive at the time and then it turned into a negative but I mean it's been mostly negative press since Johnny Gaudreau left and and since the Battle of Alberta in round two since since McDavid scored that goal and the the four games prior to that you're like this is it's been a rough, rough run to be a Flames fan and so if you can get the positivity of Conroy joining the organization, not joining the organization, but getting promoted. And that's something that's really exciting to a lot of Flames fans and a good chunk of Flames fans think this is the right move. And then a week later, you can then be like, oh, and here's Jerome Aginla, and he's officially coming back to the fold. He's got that number hanging in the rafters, and now he's a special advisor to Craig Conroy, and then we'll reevaluate what his role is in a year's time. And like that's, that's just more good press, and the organization sure could. And, and that's not, that's, it's not even like everything was their fault, but right now positivity with this organization, that's a, that's a big thing. So I, I, think, I think it's a really smart move to – delay it just a little that's bit. that's right extend the gratification that the you know into next week or the week after whatever the case may be and to me i believe that the jerome aginla hire we'll call it is is quite um i don't think it 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 it, it means a lot in terms of his input this year yeah but, you know i think craig would probably call jerome even if he wasn't put on the payroll he would call him and go hey 
Oh, geez, uh, you know, geez, uh, Jerome, Mike. Hey, Iggy, what's hey, going on? What's going on? on? Hey, listen, doing? listen, uh, I, got, I only got an hour to talk, so I, I want to ask you. I'm just thinking about doing this so that, you know, he could pick his brain any time. But I think that it's a smart move to get him on the payroll. And then I'm fascinated to see whether Jerome, and I'd love your thoughts. Do you see him coming in after a full year? I think yeah. we're all pretty, we all understand he wants to coach his son, and that's admirable for one more year. And then he's. He's wide open. Yep. Do you see him coming in in a management role, or do you see him coming in in a coaching role? Because I think that you could make an argument for, for either. both. I do too, because right now he's coaching, and and that's where a lot of the experience has been of late. I, if I were to guess, I think it's in a management role. I think you know uh, an assistant GM role down the road uh, is is kind of the way that I'd peg it, or mm -hmm. that I've pegged it. But no, I think you can make a solid argument for either. Um, and you know that if if all of a sudden it's a coaching gig it's like well what type of coaching gig and what type of coach do you hire right now and so that's why I lean a little bit more towards management yeah, and, and, and being kind of that another AGM or another big voice in in the hockey operations department yeah i could and i could see that too and i certainly there's really no you got to see how this coach pans out whoever the coach is going to be and we'll go there next but i i you know i i I don't know if I could see Jerome. It, it wouldn't be about ego. He, I think he'd happily go in and be an assistant coach. But what I think happened with Marty St. Louis two seasons ago to me was a watershed moment for the National Hockey League. And, yeah. and, and I thought of Jerome immediately thinking, my God. At first, I thought Marty St. Louis' situation was ridiculous. Like he had one year of bantam coaching under his belt. And then I started to think about, first of all, it was only like a two-month trial. And if it didn't work out, then they'd just move on. But it, it did work to a degree, and I think, you know, the players, it doesn't, to be the coach, you don't have to do all the X's and O's. You just have to be a leader and a manager of personalities, and I think Jerome could maybe do that. Um, and anyway, that's fascinating. Okay, uh, it's the Eric Francis Show. He's Pat Steinberg. I'm Eric Francis. The big news today, of course, uh, Craig Conroy is your general manager. Uh, they, they added a couple. They bolstered the title of Chris Snow. And Brad Pascal, and they made it very clear Pascal was uh, one of the prime candidates as well. And uh, I do really feel like, you know, when they talk about this being management by committee, that could scare a lot of people. But I do feel like it's a very strong group. And uh, I do think that this team is in good hands with the various um, experience that people bring. Yeah. You feel the same way? I spoke to I spoke to Dave Nonis uh, a couple hours ago and and I thought that was like that's a really interesting hire a guy that has been out of it for a year and now comes back and and was in it for general manager but ends up like they said hey we're going in a different direction but would you like to still be a part of the staff and still jumped at that and so you've got two guys who have been general manager twice each in Maloney and Nonis. And you've got Brad Pascal, who's done an incredible job with the American League team for the last little while and, and does good stuff with contracts. And we know what Chris Snow does with contracts. Uh, I think you put something out about uh, him working on Walker Dewar's contract. He did right? Dewar's contract, yep. And and I know that he did. Like, I, he did Dubé's contract. And, and so a lot of the deals that have been done over the last number of years, If yes, Huberto's contract was done by Brad. Uh, but, you know, so a lot of the contracts that have been done, I know that Snowy's been a huge part of. So now you've got some really interesting different voices that touch a whole lot of different places. And so 
you don't real like nothing has changed other than Brad Tree Living walking away. Everybody who was still in hockey ops prior to Tree leaving is still here, just with some shuffling. And then you add a guy like Nonis who has lots of experience and, and seems very much okay with being kind of in an advisory role and being there to help I don't know, um, add some perspective to a guy like Craig who is walking into something that he's never done before. It's a bit of a difference being somebody's assistant, and now you're the guy calling all the shots, final decision, rest with him. Uh, so I, I, I actually I don't mind the, the structure of no, it right I think now. It's, I think it's good, and, and, you know, how pointed, how wonderfully pointed – Craig's re- remarks were when he was asked what he's looking for in a coach. Yep. I mean, he didn't shy away from the fact that this coach, I mean, he alluded to the fact that the coach and the GM here didn't get along. That's the whole reason why Craig Conroy was sitting in that chair today. If the coach and the general manager got along, we're not here today. One of those guys is still in charge, but instead both of them paid the price because they couldn't get along. And I thought it was fascinating. He said that we've got to be on the same page. We don't always have to be in lockstep, but generally speaking, it's someone who I need to be able to work with and needs to be able to work with the young players. That is significant. And then it leads me to my question. Yeah. I believe that the three leading candidates are all internal. I don't think that the other guys that we'll talk about, the Alex Tangays, the Andrew Burnett's, Andrew Burnett's, yeah. uh, you know, even Mark Savard, some of these guys who are connected to those to Jerome and to to Craig Conroy, I don't think that they go in. I'm not saying they can't be hired, but I don't think they go in with as much of an advantage as those three in-house guys have. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm really curious on on this one because you've got Kirk Muller, Mitch Love, and Ryan Huska as kind of the three internals that you're talking about. And I am fascinated to see how they how they navigate the internal side of things, and and I think both you and I have have made reference to this. You know, Conroy's a big fan of Huska. I think that he'll get a very long look at the job. And I mean, you take a you, you want to talk about a guy who's paid his dues. Western League success as a head coach, American League success mm-hmm. as a head coach, and now five years as an assistant in the NHL. And one of the most consistent things over the last five years that we've seen from the Calgary Flames, whether Bill Peters, Jeff Ward, or Daryl Sutter has been the head coach, is this team's strong penalty kill. And that is Ryan Huska's, mm-hmm. one of his, his chief areas of, of expertise. And so you're like, okay, there's, and, and I know he's very well respected inside that room, and he's done a nice job working with this blue line. I really appreciate the way he communicates with us. Yep. And, 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 I just, and, and I think that he's the type of guy that, no, he's, not, he's more soft-spoken than other guys would be, but I think that he is able to be authoritative and, and all that type of stuff, and I think there's a, a healthy respect level. Then you've got this rising star in Mitch Love who has accomplished in two years in the American League, you know, pretty close to everything you can short of winning a, a championship, which I know is disappointing, and they're still stinging about that. But, you know, a two-time coach of the year and – he's going to get looks elsewhere and there's a significant chance that you lose him this summer if you don't promote him in some shape or form. So now you're looking at, okay, Huska was the runner up to Derek Lalonde in Detroit last year. And so there's a good, and he doesn't have a contract in what, just over a month. 
So there's a decent chance he might lose Huska. Yep. Kirk Muller's been a head coach before. Elliot's talked about how he's been getting some uh, some calls and some buzz mm-hmm. this year. I think he interviewed or at the very least got some calls last summer as well. So, okay, you got to take that into account. And, and Kirk Muller's experience and a good communicator and a guy who uh, had a hell of an NHL career. You're like, okay, where does that, where does that factor in? And then you've got the, the young upstart rising star in Mitch Love and – you know, you might you might be in a position where I don't think there's any way all three of those guys are back with the Flames next year, just based on their stock around the league. So, how do you minimize the damage when it comes to three guys potentially losing, leaving your organization? Yeah. That's going to be really interesting, and I, I honestly don't know how to handicap it. I uh, I'm a huge huge Huska fan and have been for a long time, but boy, some of the things that you're hearing about Mitch Love and how well thought of he is around the league and you know this this insider says maybe he'd be a candidate in anaheim or you sure would hate to have a guy that you discovered recently mm-hmm. go coach elsewhere and have him have a lot of success I mean, like damn that was the guy that we hired for our american league team so i don't know it's a tough one and it it is uh i think that i think internally is the way to go myself i do too but I don't, I, I'm fascinated to see if that's the way they're thinking, who would end up being the front runner. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If I, I think that Huska with Mitch Love would be, you know, Mitch Love as your assistant would be a, an interesting combination. But I don't know if Love would agree to it because his stock is so hot right now. But then that's where Huska was three, four, five years ago. Yeah. He had as one of the hottest stocks in the league. And, you know, at some point he says enough is enough. I got to move on because – you know, you don't want to be in a rut too long with one organization. So that'll be uh, the the next move Craig Conroy makes. I would imagine that decision is going to be made within the next week or two. Do you feel like I, there's you no be rush? That quick? Uh, there's no rush. I think two weeks would be about the max. I really think they'll get it done within two weeks because I think that's the focal point at this point in time. Now, hey, Craig's got to burn those phone lines up, and you know how it is with it. Craig, there's no such thing as a short conversation. So he's got to call every guy on the roster. Well, there's two weeks of phone calls right there for Craig because he just won't stop talking. But, you know, the coach is priority number one. I think that those seven pending UFAs is job number two. Where would you put job number three? Oof. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you were to put those that group of seven in a mix as one, uh, no doubt about it. I guess there'd be two for me. Um, one of them is figuring out your plan for this summer to get more out of Huberdo. You have got to unlock more of Jonathan Huberdo. So if that means finding somebody that has played well with him in the past or talking to him about the type of players he plays best with, are you going out and looking for Anthony Duclair or are you looking for somebody else? I think that is a huge priority. You cannot have a $10.5 million player getting 55 points again. It, yeah. it, especially, you know, if that's year seven or eight, okay, different conversation. If year one of an $84 million contract has him at 55 points again, uh, that's that's super worrying. Like, there's, uh, We're worried enough about where that contract yeah. might go. So I think usually you don't want to make decisions based on one dude, but when he's a franchise record contract holder, you kind of have to. And the other one that's... What about uh, what about extending Dylan Dubé this summer? That's uh, that's a really interesting one for me. He just keeps on putting up better point totals each year, mm-hmm. and 
I think that he's trending towards kind of being the – I don't think it's out of the question that Dubé's a 25-goal, 60-point guy yep. in the not-so-distant future. Do what they did. Brad Tree Living did not always really like the kind of betting on the future type deals. He did it – did it once, we, and look how well it paid off with, with Rasmus? Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the way I look yeah. at Dylan Dubé. I, he kind of huh, – I want to almost compare him and say that he did it with Lindholm and Hannafin, but he had just traded for them, and he had to he had to open up the bank for them. And he got him on really good value really contracts, good obviously. But um, you were still betting on the future with both of them, but you had to because you traded No, but those ones probably count as well because you're right. They they were longer-term deals for guys that you're projecting, and so that's what you'd be doing with Dubé. You just yeah. have a little bit more of a bank on Dylan because he's been in your organization the whole time. And, look, I know Dylan wants to stay and, and yeah. would absolutely be open to signing something to keep him here for the long term. So that's, that's another one that I uh, wonder if they, they might tackle this summer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, appreciate your insights, my Bye, friend. Buddy. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. We'll talk again, as we always do every Friday. And uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Ryan Leslie, who's going to share his insights and thoughts on uh, what we heard today from uh, Craig Conroy and company. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live standard bread racing is back every Friday and Saturday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Ryan Leslie. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Craig Conroy Day here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Craig Conroy, is that the eighth general manager, Pat? Eighth general manager. That's quite amazing. Quite a lot of guys who stayed quite a long time. The eighth general manager of Calgary Flames is Craig Conroy. He was introduced at a press conference about three and a half hours ago. Uh, it was a 45-minute press conference, which is very, very Craig Conroy-ish. Expect more of those down the road. He's never shy to expand on any answer and uh, and entertain any questions right now. And another guy who's happy to do the same is Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. How are you, my friend? Mr. Francis, I'm well. How are you? I'm great, my man. Listen, I said to Pat earlier, and I'm wondering if you how you would phrase it to me. That press conference was more like a wedding, like a celebration of some sorts, as opposed to a presser. How, do, how would you de- deem what we just uh, went through here? Yeah, I understand where you're going with that. And I also thought, you know, it, it was the right call, and a lot of people felt that way. So mm-hmm. it didn't matter if uh, you were a fan, you were a media member, you were a staff member, you were in management. And Craig also took the time to point out some behind-the-scenes people. It felt right because it was the right decision. It, it really was for this market, for this new direction, for the individual who, you know, really amassed a, a, a resume that, you know, had done so much in the game from a thousand games as a player to scouting, amateur, to pro scouts, to the relationships he has across the league. A young guy who has done so much as an executive. He's traveled the world over. He has a strong opinion. Don't let the nice guy... Uh, fool you because he is competitive and away from it he's got such a great eye for talent and he's not afraid to make his opinion known and I always defer to a player a player knows so much right the intricacies of the game a high level player sees things that 
you and I simply don't. And it's wonderful. And this guy has such an eye and such a belief in what he's trying to accomplish, the passion, the knowledge, the experience. Um, is he a seasoned NHL GM? No, but he is a seasoned NHL executive who is ready to take the next step, who happens to be fantastic in the community, the alumni, um, uh, you know, the regular person on the street. Um, everybody in that organization knows exactly or feels as though he's their friend. And from an executive standpoint, while the friend and the smile and the long-winded got time for everybody, that's great. But the bottom line is they got it right because they got a good hockey man and a good person and, you know, who comes from a great family. Okay, I want to ask you about, you you alluded to, and your strength has always been tapping into these players. You're tight with so many of the players, and you can reach out to them, and I want to get their reaction from what you've heard so far over the last couple days. But before I do that, I just want to go back. You know, we're sitting here talking about how everyone agrees this is the right heart, and I I don't think, you know, that's not entirely correct. There are a lot of people who say, oh, boy, this guy's not ready, or there's lots of criticism out there, and people can have their own opinions. But there's one thing that I don't think anybody can dispute is the fact that Craig Conroy comes with him, this incredible uh, optimism, optimism, this, this incredible attitude. Uh, he's his, his, his attitude is infectious. People are like, man, I'd, I'd like to hang with that guy or play for that guy. He's, he's a breath of fresh air for an organization that that's really been going backwards the last year. And that's not a slam so much on tree living as it is the architect of it all, the coach who created this culture that was poisoned. That's what's needed right now more than anything. Today's press conference was the very first positive day at this building in a long, long time. Yeah, I I would agree with that, Eric, but, but I will say this, Brad tree living was that way. Unfortunately, um, you're right. Actually, you're right. What you said, no. And I think you differentiated the, between the two and I and Daryl came in with a real hold on things and with it a real dark cloud and we can say that now it's the truth yeah when you stick to the facts you don't get in trouble and the truth is it was not a very good place to come for us to work and the players you asked me about the players they told me that and they told me all kinds of things and they've also told me now uh, even leading up to this uh, ultimate decision how hopeful they were that it would be Craig now, there was a lot of good con, uh, you know, um, candidates for sure, but the idea that they got it right from a player's perspective, they want to go to battle with this guy, a breath of fresh air. We'll wait and see what happens with the Aginla situation. You know, Dave Nonis is uh, a guy who uh, has experience in two Canadian markets, and then Chris Snow and Brad Pascoe have been here. They get a change in titles as well. There's just a sort of a, all right, we've turned the page. It's a lot lighter around there, which was essential. When you like coming to work, you're a good employee. I don't care if you're wearing a number on your jersey or an employee number. And uh spoke with John Bean real quick before we uh, turned our attention to other things and just congratulated him. And, you know, he could, you could see it in him that he was feeling it as well. Uh, and he's the boss. And, you know, Craig Conroy's a, a heck of a person, executive, and a hockey mind. So the players themselves know that. And they have great relationships with him, including those uh, pending UFAs, the seven of them. And, uh, you know, that group of seven, all of them have a great relationship with Craig. Craig's a recruiting tool. 
And when people think, oh, he's just a GM, well, think about it for a second. He has relationships with GMs across the league. That's going to enhance deals. Uh, people are going to want to consider as a UFA because they believe in what Craig and maybe others are doing. That's the hope. Um, but when you have an old rink or when you've got a, the Canadian dollar, or, you know, and the questions were asked about playing in Canada and attracting UFAs, you, you had a coach that nobody wanted to come and play for, despite the fact that he'd won before. Um, you had all these things working against Calgary. Not a lot of history winning, not a ton of prospects. Not, you know, all these things. Well, Craig's going to try and change that culture and make it a desirable place to play. And his passion, his knowledge, along with uh, the relationships league-wide, it can only help this organization. Yeah, and uh, I think it's also a beautiful story about I don't, I don't care where you work in this world. Uh, it doesn't matter what job you do. To, to, to have someone in the organization who just continually works hard and gets rewarded for it, that's such an important message to send. And yeah. I think it's almost symbolic of where this organization is at right now because they want the message to be loud and clear to those kids on the Wranglers too. Hey, mm-hmm. we promote from within. If you yeah. work hard enough and you earn it, we will give you that chance. Look at our general manager. You can follow in his footsteps, not not managerially, but as a player. And I think you that was an yeah. important part of what happened today, too. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it doesn't matter where you work. You just want to know that maybe it's funny. A lot, a lot of places, uh, people from the outside respect what you're doing, sometimes more than the people on the inside. Well, yeah. they sent a message on that here. And uh, it's not always the, um, you know, the, the shiny new toy from afar that looks better than what the car you have in your garage. You know, well, wait a minute, this is a good car. Let's make this thing go. So terrible analogy, but you know what I'm saying. I think yep. he's, he's the guy from uh, that sort of he's the everyday guy out on the street. He's got time for everybody. You won't find anybody who says a bad word about him. And like you said, it sends a message uh, through an organization from players on down that you got a shot. Tough decisions ahead, obviously, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it was fascinating. A couple of things that he paired together. One is what happened with Johnny Gaudreau can't happen. Can't happen again. We can't lose an asset for nothing. So I love that. Us... I love that he said it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and, and 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 that's. There's no way that even Tree Living would see that as a slam on him. I mean, Pat and I just dissected this for for three years. Oh, okay. He was hooped. He couldn't. You couldn't trade Johnny Gaudreau because nobody wanted him. You know, you get pennies on the dollar for him, and then when he was playing great, you can't trade him because he's helping you win the division. Anyway, blah blah blah. Elias Lindholm. I thought it was fascinating what he said about Lindholm is I know where he was when he did his exit meetings and what he said, and it was pretty clear he you know, was leaning towards I want out. But I want to see where he's at now. Now that, and he's alluding to the fact that now that Daryl's gone, now that the culture can change, do you think that Lindholm will have a change of heart? Because I don't. Uh, we'll see. Um, I will say that I believe uh, that Craig has probably already reached out uh, to all of them. He's he does on a regular basis. Anyhow, that's who he does. That's that's sorry. That's who he is, and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this I've got to call him down the road. Like this is a constant dialogue. Let's not forget that you know Craig had enough uh, relationships to really help uh, get the goaltender here as well. When it looked like he might be going to Edmonton. And uh, it was Craig who was really instrumental in that, uh, as well as others. So, you know, don't underestimate the power of his positivity when it comes to recruiting um, and making people believe. 
Um, there's something to be said for that. And so you may ultimately be right, but I would say the odds are significantly better if you're a Flames fan uh, with Craig uh, working those lines because if anything needed to be repaired, he, he can do it, at least on the personal side of things. Now, maybe maybe some of these players, their minds are already made up, but I did speak to one player who fits in that group of seven, and and, you know, he wanted to see Craig get named and hear what Craig and the new team are going to bring to the table mm-hmm. because this was a player who, you know, didn't like the way things were going, probably had no problem thinking about his future elsewhere, but open-minded enough to say, well, wait a minute, let's just see, let's be professional about this. Let's not just go where the wind takes you in the highest bid and all that stuff. So I'm hoping that that kind of trickles throughout. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would agree with you that the odds went up on any mm-hmm. of these guys signing here long-term. I, I don't question that for a second. I still think that he's dealing with impediments that can't be moved, like a building, like a weather, like tax structures, like all sorts of other things. So, okay, yeah. let's. we're talking to Ryan Leslie with Sportsnet. We're talking about Craig Conroy, the hiring today, and, of course, the, the bolstering of titles for Chris Snow, for Brad Paschal. Uh, we've got Dave Nonis now here in town who's going to be helping guide uh, Craig Conroy along with also with the help of Don Maloney and I do think that of course we're going to see Jerome McGinley named maybe as early as next week as an advisor of some sort and then next year probably on a full-time basis you and I were talking to Peter Hanlon afterwards and you know I, I thought it was actually brilliant that they didn't include Jerome today because that might have yeah. overshadowed what was a special day yeah. for a special guy but, and Jerome is aware of that too, right? Like he is. Whatever happens, I, they, yes. they're not there yet, anyhow. But he would be aware of that. This is not the time for that. Even if he was named today, he'd be like, "Connie, I'm not coming today. This is your day, man. You have your day for sure." So I'm. I agree with you. Where do you see? I asked Pat this earlier. Where do you see Jerome fitting? And I'm not talking about this year because advisor role, whatever title they want to slap on him, it's just a guy who you can call for phone calls. He might come in for a meeting or two. When he gets here in a full-time basis next year, which we all think is going to happen, where do you see him starting? Well, management. And I think, um, you know, even though he's coaching right now and is a pretty fiery competitive coach um, and a bit of an architect as well in terms of building an academy and what have you, I I see him. You don't want to be in a position where, you know, a coach's shelf life doesn't last that long. I see him as an executive here, and I think he'll spend the next year, if and when he gets named to any type of title here. Um, I see him coming on board over the course of the next year, bring himself up to speed, hockey ops, all sorts of things. Remember, Craig touched a lot of parts in the organization mm-hmm. coming up here. And Jerome, make no mistake, he has a vision. He has a plan, and he is he's not just sitting there on the sidelines. I'll put it to you that way. And he has an idea of where he wants things to go and what, you know, I think he, they just have to figure out what his role is. I don't think it's determined yet, Eric, is what I'm no. getting at. So yeah. um, even in their own minds, we know we want to have this guy on board, or at least I know Craig does. I don't want to speak for anybody else. I know Craig does, and I know Jerome does. Who wouldn't? Will he get the, well, I, I, you know, I think, I think uh, it would be a massive misstep if you didn't. Um, so hopefully everybody in the decision-making process, and you heard Craig talking a lot about team decisions and working through things as a group. So let's just hope everybody's on the same page. It is an obvious no-brainer, and I'm telling you, Jerome 
when he's ready, will be ready to go as prepared as anyone around. So that will be a solid ad, but I do believe it will be in an executive management role, not behind the bench where a shelf life, you, you couldn't imagine yourself having to be the person to say, well, Jerome McGinley, your services as a head coach are no longer required. I just don't envision that. And I think he's just competitive enough to try and want to do all of it. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, yeah, good point. Like, wherever he starts, is that's not where he's going to finish. I mean, you can move this guy all over the place, and eventually he might be, you know, he'd be the perfect guy. You know, he could do what Marty St. Louis did if they ever needed that, right, if right. the coach doesn't work out. I think so, so. That's, yeah. that's someone, a nice guy to have in your back pocket, especially if he's been yeah. with the organization for a couple of years up in the front where office. Where do you okay. think, Eric, where do you think, where do you think, Craig, uh, maybe, maybe it's a gut, maybe, where, where do you think head coach is going? And I'm sure you guys batted this around the first half hour. I, I think that the leading candidates are all internal. I think the top three candidates yeah. in his mind, and I think I don't think he's wrong to think that way, I think they're all in-house already. And Ryan Huska I'd put at the top of the list. Mitch Love is right there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Kirk Muller. I think all three of those guys deserve long looks. I think they'll all get long looks. And I think that uh, that continuity that I think Craig and a lot of people in the organization, they're, they, you know, there were some things that needed to change, no question about it. But there are some things that you want to continue on with. And to me, uh, one of those guys should be the next head coach. And, you know, I, I, I see the connections, the Alex Tangays, the Andrew Brunettes. The see, that's Mark an Savard. interesting one to me. Alex Tangay is me a too. interesting one I'd to me. I'd put him number four. Yeah, Craig Conroy told me years ago he was sort of saying, well, hey, we got to get Tangs in here and he's awesome. And, you know, and, and all he has done is develop as a coach. And, but, Craig was a big believer in him and his ability to work a power play and everything else. And uh, so I wonder, as you start to look at maybe some of those internal candidates, I think Huska, I would agree with you, is very much top of mind. Craig, um, Kirk Muller is certainly going to get a long, hard look in an interview. Um, I know that much. Uh, and Tongay, and you talked about Andrew Burnett, his ties to um, Jonathan Huberdeau and maybe the ability to get him going. Yeah. He's an assistant in New Jersey. I know, known him since junior is a good hockey mind as well. So we'll see. Um, those are the ones that also leap out to me. I'm not so sure about Mitch Love, but that's just me. I think there's those who would say, no, Eric, you're spot on on that one. I'm not so sure if that, at the end of the day, that will be there. His his resume is certainly intact. His reputation is as well. So um, I don't know as though that'd be a bad call any way you slice it. Uh, I think he's uh, sought after, if not here, then elsewhere. So I think he's going to have a great coaching career. I'm just wondering about those other guys being a little bit further along. Yeah, and, and I would that's put Tongay why. ahead of Mitch Love myself. Now, sure. Maybe some of these are all assistants. Who knows? You know, maybe it's Absolutely. a Huska Muller or a Muller Huska uh, Tongay. You know, couldn't you see that? So I, I, I absolutely could. Or, or Mitch Love as an assistant to yeah. keep him in the organization and let him get his feet wet at the big leagues for at least a year. It's that's going to be fascinating. And I, I, I don't know about timelines. I think it'll happen within the next couple of weeks. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. rush. But your thoughts? You think that'll you know, does that sound like a reasonable timeline to you? That checks out for me. Uh, they've got a draft coming up. They've got a combine coming up. They've got, you know, they're in scouting meetings right now. So they've got a lot going on. And uh, you'd like to have the decisions so that, again, more on the group mentality, um, uh, you know, approaching all of these stops on the calendar together. So. Yeah, and I don't, you know, you want your coach in place. Uh, you want him being up to speed with the organization if he or she isn't already. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, that timeline checks out for sure. 
And I think uh, one last thing, because we got to go here, but uh, I thought it was interesting. I asked uh, Craig about the style of play. Like, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. did think that the way Sutter wanted this team to play was the correct way. I know Brad Trilliving certainly agreed with that, the, the hard forechecking and blah, blah, blah. Craig said, I, I want them to have carte blanche from the red line in offensively and show their mm-hmm. creativity from the red line back. I want structure, but offensive. I think that for fans, and I'm not saying it's going to work, but for fans, isn't that exciting to hear that you want all the leashes off of of Huberto, Cadre, all these guys. Once you get from the red line in, boys, have fun. You know, I, I think that's exciting. It could be scary, but it, it sounds exciting. Yeah, and I think it'll determine, you know, Craig wants that, and he'll hire a coach, you know, with somebody who can kind of bring that to to fruition. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, because I think it changes. I mean, philosophically it won't. That's the kind of coach you're going to hire, and you're going to have those discussions. But Craig's open-minded. Uh, I think structure will be important. He played with one of the most offensive players ever. And let's not forget Jerome McGinley called Alex Tongay. Uh, the greatest player he ever played with. So there's some creativity. There's some offense. I mean, then you're going to have to convince some of these guys about the structure on the back end. So, and Ryan Husk is certainly uh, capable of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. All right, Ryan, Leslie. Exciting. Appreciate your time. Yes, it is. It was a very exciting day at the Dome. I think it's an exciting time uh, for the organization, for uh, for many fans. Uh, hey, there. I'm sure there are detractors, but I think – Generally speaking, a new breath of fresh air got breathed into this city today. Oh, yeah. And it was fun to be a part of. Yeah, it was a good day. And uh, we'll see what the next uh, chapter – it just kind of rolls on, right? It's like it's... right into the next one. All right, what's the next thing here? Let's go. So yeah. we, you and I talked about this many times, either on uh, my show or your show, about um, how this summer might end up being more fascinating than last which is hard to believe that we were saying that, mm-hmm. but it's exactly the case. And, and now I think it's a new direction for the city, the organization, and a fan base that sorely needs it. That's right. Next nop, next news, I believe, will be the arena deal on Monday. Hopefully that ends in a positive fashion. Then the coaching mm-hmm. hire, and who knows after that, you know, again, it just goes on and on and on. There'll be uh, very little golfing going on. Well, I shouldn't say that. There'll be less golfing <laughs> than I was hoping for. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I All hope right. you get a few te- a few uh, rounds in. Good luck. Thanks, my man. Okay, there he is, Ryan Leslie. Thanks for your insights, my friend. Uh, that uh, puts a wrap on the Eric Francis Show once again. Alberta was built on the back of a horse, and horses continue to play an important role in the province today. The Alberta horse racing industry and breeding industry contributes over $300 million to the Alberta econ- economy annually, and the industry employs over 5,000 Albertans. Live Standard Bread Racing is back. Come experience the races live every Friday and Saturday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. For more info on how to get in on the action, visit thehorses.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening to the Eric Francis Show. We'll do it again next Monday.